You're listening to Keeping Connected with the Quran, a series that reminds us of the many beautiful ways the Quran can be a guide, a teacher, and a healer in our lives. Join a rotating cast of insightful hosts and guests featured throughout the week and make the Quran a companion in your day, every day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, everyone. A'udhu billahi sami a'i minash shaytan rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. والعدوان إلا على الظالمين والعاقبة للمتقين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا. Welcome back. Uh, you know tonight we are going to inshallah ta'ala continue with our uh, nightly Quran program. So if you've had a chance to tune in on Monday night where we talked about Quranic parables, uh, last night Quranic miracles. Uh, tonight is more of a reflection session, inshallah ta'ala. So uh, I think each one of these nights offers us a chance to go deeper into the Qur'an and to think about how we can stay connected to it in numerous ways, especially in the aftermath of Ramadan. And alhamdulillah, blessed to have uh, once again uh, Sheikh Abdullah Duru. So we're bringing back the Qur'an 30 for 30 crew uh, and our beloved Sheikh uh, Yasser Fahmi as well, inshallah ta'ala, to reflect tonight. So, uh, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to talk about something which obviously uh, is is very relevant to everything that's been happening, uh, but certainly not isolated to it, because I think that what we see is that the concept of justice is intertwined with every one of our interactions, our individual interactions, our interactions with family, with society, uh, with self. And the Qur'an uh, has, very beautiful, ha- has very beautiful discourse on the concept of justice and how uh, how it's comprehensive and uh, fits all of our situations. So inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to uh, hand it off to Sheikh Abdullah to uh, talk about the set of ayat that we are going to reflect on together uh, tonight, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wa la'a Alhamdulillah, I'm just glad to be here uh, being on this platform with the illustrious Mushayukh uh, to talk about this beautiful, beautiful verse. And as we know, the Quran is something that we as Muslims, mashallah, uh, use as a, as a, as a, dare we even say, a manual or uh, a structure of life in which we turn to ultimately and primarily for sources of guidance. Because Allah being an alim, being that he knows all, he addresses everything that is needed for us. So that which is not really mentioned in specific, etc., is based on his knowledge that is comprehensive and is wisdom that appropriates that knowledge. What we want to talk about, inshallah, is uh, vert on the chapter of Ma'idah, the chapter of the table spread, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in verse number eight. So we're in chapter number five, verse number eight, where after mentioning the blessings that he gives to his creation, he talks about the concept of justice here, where he says, after a'udhu billah min shaitan rajim Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kunu qawwamina lillahi shuhada'a bilqist wa la yajrimannakum shana'anu qawmin ala alla ta'dilu i'dilu huwa aqrabu lit-taqwa. So I'm going to mention this first portion of it, inshallah, briefly because I want to capitalize on one particular thing. Firstly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the general call to those of you that believe, which is a nida'a sharaf, that is a nida'a noble call to those. So those he's speaking to or the one that feels they're being addressed recognize that it is a noble position that you have this belief and this this want and desire to do what God wants you to do. So after that, he says to be of those that stand stand out firmly for Allah and as just witnesses, be those that stand out firmly for Allah as just witnesses. 
So you're standing out for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what way? In being a just witness. Shuhada bil qist. That qist is someone that is just. Because you could be standing out of witnessing something or to stand out in front of something, but it is not for, it has an ulterior motive behind it. Or it's to please human beings. And that's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on in the next portion, which I really want to capitalize on where he says, And do not let the enmity and hatred towards people cause you to avoid justice. And then Allah says here, do not let the, the criminalization, because comes from Jarama, and we know the word mujrim or jarima means crime. A mujrim is a criminal. So do not let people criminalize you, criminalize you because of their hatred. Or do not let your hatred of the people do an action that is unjust. So Allah here is addressing something that is so beautiful that even though he gave us the order in the beginning, he knows your nature, that you may be someone that may be altered or may be affected by your hatred towards a people or by the people's hatred towards you, which could in, in result be your hatred towards them or your dislike towards them or your, 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 your lack of, of care of their benefit. Allah says, no, you uphold the laws of Allah because every human being has rights. And everyone's right is someone else's responsibility. So depending on your position, that's where it's very important for you. As one of the, uh, subhanAllah, the muluk, one of the kings of the Abbasid period, he said, uh, he said, Al-adawa tuzilu al-adala. Al-adawa tuzilu al-adala. That the enmity that we may have towards someone or a genus or class of people can relinquish justice. And naturally, we may lean towards a people or a group or a person or a thought, but do not let that uh, uh, divert you from being just. And that's what's so beautiful about this verse. And he says, uh, Be just for really that is closest to uh, 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 piety. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues by saying, And fear Allah for verily Allah is well aware of what you do. And that's the main reflection I wanted to capitalize on this verse was the second portion where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not let mankind's expectations or hatred or your hatred or dislike towards them divert you from doing that which is right. And that's what's very important of this verse because doing that which is right is an action of a just person. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us just and those of justice. So Sheikh Yasser, what are your reflections on, on this verse in regards to uh, you know, this chapter 5, verse number 8. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam Sheikh Abdullah and Sheikh Omar. It's good to be with you guys again. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow that the blessings of Ramadan are still with us because mashallah, Ramadan was full of nourishing beauty and blessings and rahmah. So may Allah allow that rahmah to continue to descend upon us and all of you and your families, ya Rabbil Alameen. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to think about uh, this verse in the context of Surah Ma'idah, um, the broader context of um, when this surah was actually revealed. And as most of the Mufassirun have noted that this is a, a late Medinan surah. So there's a lot that had already happened and transpired in the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the details of the Meccan and Medinan period and all of the machinations of that that brings us and culminates into this surah which is which has a quality of finality 
um, in this surah is arguably one of, if not the last verses of the Quran, which is Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Dinakum, that today I have perfected for you your religion, wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati, and I have perfected and I have completed for you um, my favor, my blessings upon you. And the Jews of Medina told Sayyiduna Umar that if we were to have received a verse like this, we would take this day as a day of Eid, a day of celebration, because there's a sense of there's a sense of completion, uh, a sense of perfection. And, and that's something, brothers and sisters, that I want us to seriously think about because there is so much that goes on in our day-to-day -day lives and past, present, and future. And as Sheikh Abdullah was indicating, there are so many different forces that may come to impact or to inform how we are or what we are. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah, which has a very final quality, he starts off in a very direct fashion. As he's now, like, imagine Allah is now completing everything for us. He's like, okay, pay attention. Oh, you who believe. And that's us, you know, those who really strive to be in loving surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fulfill your obligations and be loyal to your pact. All right? Be loyal to your commitments. That's a very direct order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Be mindful of who you are and be mindful of what your commitments are because I expect from you full and utter loyalty. And this is, I mean, this is the final nail that's coming. I mean, really after this, Prophet very shortly after he dies. And, and what's so profound about the, the, this surah is the utter detailing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts out. Allah specifies in, in very specific detail what that pact actually looks like. So he begins by telling us, بالعقود, you know, be committed. It just kind of comes a little bit out of left field. Allah tells us, I've made livestock, you know, uh, uh, what's it, uh, lawful for you. And so you may think like, what does livestock have to do? This is the, this is the finality. But then Allah ends the verse by saying, Allah commands that which he wills. So Allah is really grabbing us our attention here by telling, listen, there's a pact between you and I. And I decree exactly what I decree, as I decree it. And that's what I want you to be committed to. So then Allah in verse 2, He starts to detail for us. Ya amanu, la sha'air Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts to talk about the sacred bonds and the sanctity that Allah places on this earth. So He identifies sacred time, sha'air Allah, wala shahr al-haram, the sacred month, the sacred offerings. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala notes the animals and how you engage with them. And there's a sanctity and a sacredness, a quality of how you and when you can slaughter and not. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And don't let your anger towards those who de deprived you or prevented you from the sacred house. That you ever transgress. And this comes in a very particular context because imagine the companions, they're coming back, they didn't get to do the thing that they wanted to do, which was Umrah. And now they have to go back and there's a sense of real pain. And here they have a group of mushrikeen coming to go, going towards. And now Allah is telling them, you have a sacred pact. You have, a, you have now a commitment, a ahd. You can't break it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the second verse is detailing. He's detailing to us. 
what sacredness looks like and what is expected to be preserved in time, space, people, animal uh, agreements, etc. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes in verse number three. Allah starts to detail for us the type of food we can consume, what we can eat, what we can't eat, right? And all of the details around that. And he nestles within this verse a very specific indication. He says, Today, those who have rejected me, they have full despair that of you and, and the deen that you follow. Don't fear them, fear me. Imagine the, the broader context of the nature of the human condition and the interaction between human beings and the push and pull and the battle of wills. Allah is saying, today, the discourse has been elevated officially. Today I have perfected for you this religion. Right? And I am what I am content for you and what I seek for you as your path and your way is to be in loving surrender. So then the ayat continue. They ask you, well, what is halal? What is halal for us to eat? So then Allah describes in detail what is halal to eat. And then we continue, everything that is tayyib, that is good, has been made lawful for you. And the food of the people of the book. And then a discussion around what type of relations can you have and who can you marry and the details of, 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 of interactions between human beings in the space of intimacy and the boundaries that have to be maintained in that reality. Very explicit detailing in the end of Revelation about what the pact between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks like. All these nida'at of ar-Rahman, Ya ayyuha ladina amanu. In Surah Ma'idah, there are 16 out of 89 in the Qur'an. And each one of these 16, they stand out as a fundamental branch and a pillar of what the pact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks like. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 6, he takes another turn and he tells us, Ya amanu, kuntum You know, this very explicit detailing of salah, of making wudu, of how we make wudu, what we wash, what we wipe. If the case is that we don't have water, what we do, we make tayammum, etc., etc., etc. And weaved into each one of these verses, you'll notice something very explicit. Always Allah is indicating in weaving out these branches and these details. Be mindful of Allah. Don't forget of Allah. Don't forget about the Akhirah. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know, Allah does not want hardship. Allah wants to purify us. He wants to affirm our blessing so that you can be thankful. And then, as we're now going towards verse number 8, Allah says in verse number 7, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَمِيثَاقَهُ الَّذِي وَثَقَكُمْ بِهِ And remember the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you and the pledge with which you were bound to. And that's a very affirmative, powerful statement. Allah saying, don't ever forget in all of these details I'm expressing to you, this is a tremendous blessing and a gift for you. But don't ever forget 
that there is a mithaq alladhi wathaqakum this is allah has bound us to him in this mithaq id qultum sami'na wa ata'na when you said we hear and we obey that's our fundamental disposition of as believers to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ya allah we hear and we obey and you see the vulnerability in that you see the surrender you see the humility in embodying that qalu sami'na wa ata'na wattaqu allah allah reminds us again don't forget be reverent be mindful of me in allah alimun bi dhati sudur allah knows what's in the chests and then verse number 8 another nida of ar-rahman ya ayyuhal ladina amanu kunu qawwamina lillah you want to have any discourse in this life that has anything to do horizontally or vertically it's about qawwamina lillahi shuhada'a bil qist it is being steadfast in our de- in our devotion our commitment to allah as as many of the ulama of tafsir have noted awwalu haqq la budda an yura'a yura'a fi fi al kawn haqqullah the first right that always has to be negotiated and maintained in this life is the right of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Our entire discourse of human rights is cushioned and enveloped within a discourse of divine right. That's so integral brothers and sisters for us to to understand because what surah al-Maida does it gives us as the ulama have indicated the maqasid of the sharia. Throughout the 100 in 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 roughly 120 verses you'll see the detailing of the greater purposes of this deen. the preservation of life later on Allah will talk about the story of Qabil and Habil and that if you take one life it's as if you've taken all of humanity it talks to you about the sanctity and this, the 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 hifdh of the the aql of the intellect and what happens when you drink and why drinking is prohibited because it doesn't want you to inhibit your mind it's a sacred reality so you're preserving your intellect the preservation of wealth there's a discourse about what happens when you take money that's not yours there are repercussions of that then there's a discourse around hifdhul ird the protection of your honor and your dignity and what happens when you dishonor yourself by engaging in particular acts that are displeasing to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then the dis- discourse the hifdhul aql hifdhul ird hifdhul mal hifdhul waqt right so what happens when you take money that's not yours etc hifdhul aql hifdhul ird hifdhul nafs uh what else maulana <laughs> yeah, the five maqasid of the sharia are laid are laid out in this surah now what i what i want to know before i transition to sheikh omar inshallah i think we're going to have a little bit of a back and forth here is very often when we talk about the broader principles the virtues and the ideals we tend to at times turn them into these detached nebulous concepts as if they're not grounded in specificities and details and what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah is telling us yes i desire for you these broad principles i want you to preserve life preserve intellect preserve religion preserve money preserve dignity these five principles but as my mashayikh would say one of my mashayikh would say nahnu muta'abbaduna bi furu'i sharia that the expectations every single day of how we will commit ourselves how we will worship is found in the details So brothers and sisters when we look at the 16 nidaat ya ayyuhal ladina amanu we see that the discourse around justice is one of 16 each one of these 16 they represent a fundamental branch of the tree of life the tree of spiritual life 
and that each one of these branches are attached to roots. And this root is fundamentally grounded in a reality, and that is the divine essence. So no branch of these ever has life if it is not grounded and not attached to the root. You know, a branch will not start to bear fruits and have flowers if it's not connected to the root. What happens if you break the branch off from the root, which is the life force and the life source, the branch dies and no longer gives fruits and no longer produces flowers. Quite the contrary. It can be broken off and used as a blunt object based on the subject. You know, I can just start to wield it as my subjectivity desires, right? And this is, you know, this is what I want us to be very thoughtful about because there's a lot of discourse today in the public sphere about all sorts of welfare and wellness for the individual, what the moral imperative is, what does it mean to be a person of rights and upholding virtue and justice and so on. Well, what we introduce into this notion, brothers and sisters, is that for us it is firmly grounded in the divine reality. We don't conceive of these realities in a secularized fashion, detached of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that our moral imperative and our values and our virtues are grounded in these details of, yes, how we eat, how we wash, how we pray, how we marry, when and what and what is sacred, etc. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to situate, and that's really what I wanted to do, to situate the broader context so that we don't break off these branches ever, you know, and, and start to wield them in a way that may be devo devoid of the essence of why it was revealed in the first place. And I'm sure Shaykh Umar ta'ala will help bring this all together for us. Akramakumullah. Zakallah khair. Barakallahu feekum. I think that's a, a beautiful way of situating uh, these uh, loaded verses um, that, again, uh, give us a lot to think about. And the fact that they are revealed in a time of power for the Prophet Sallallahu I mean, first, let's, let's put that to the side, that one of the beautiful qualities of our messenger وسلم, was his consistency. He lived in all sorts of situations, political and social, uh, being persecuted. Um, you know, and if you think about his, the way that his life unfolded, وسلم, particularly as a prophet, the prophet وسلم, knew what it was like to live as a persecuted minority under, under a hostile uh, majority in Mecca. He gave instructions, we see from the seerah, how to live as a respected minority with a, uh, with a benevolent majority in Abyssinian Habasha. And then the Prophet in Medina, we see a, uh, the Prophet in a position of power and uh, having hostility uh, from, uh, from Medina, within Medina. And then you see the Prophet in a situation where uh, he has power, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, um, in, in an overwhelming sense, right? Post Fatah Mecca, post the conquest of Mecca, where there are always inevitable political vulnerabilities, but here the Prophet ﷺ is really situated in a place of power. And, you know, that suggestion that was, uh, that was made by a previous Pope uh, quoting medieval scripture, medieval uh, passages that the Prophet ﷺ changed, which is a common Islamophobic narrative that the Prophet ﷺ changed his perspective and the way that he dealt with people in accordance with his power is so untrue. And it's actually the opposite of the Fir'aunic tale that we have in the Quran, right? The Prophet وسلم, as he grew in power, he grew in benevolence, وسلم, and he demonstrated as uh, a person in power, um, 
the great virtues of justice and kindness that were not shown to him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. those things that were not afforded to him, especially the people in Mecca who ran him out and his followers, killed his family members. So if there's anyone who uh, could find a way to swerve around this, um, you know, then, uh, you know, obviously, and we know that that's not the case because he only acts in accordance with divine revelation and legislation, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so if there was an accusation to be leveled at him, it's very difficult to level that accusation at him considering the way he conducted himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I think it's profound that these verses are situated between, uh, you know, lillah and then huwa aqrabu taqwa For Allah, if you just focused on that part, lillah, it is for Allah. And the Prophet sallallahu did not used to ask about the mechanics of his speech to be in a certain way. He used to ask for Allah to give him qawl al-haq, the ability to speak the truth in times of hardship and in times of ease and times of power and in times of persecution. And so it starts off with lillah. It is all for Allah. What he says, sallallahu alayhi wa what he does, it is all for Allah. And so he's governed by that standard. And that displays itself in terms of action through the branches of taqwa, of God consciousness, piety, mindfulness of Allah and the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So with it, with it ending, اعدلوه أقرب للتقوى, that is closer to piety. And the Prophet said, taqwa ha huna, taqwa is in the heart. It's concealed from everyone else, but there are actions that reflect taqwa. There are branches of this taqwa. It's deep in the heart, only seen by Allah. The only thing that makes a person noble or not noble uh, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assigns value to us is taqwa, right? Um, the most noble of you in the sight of God is the one who has the most taqwa, right? So it's inaccessible, but the manifestation of that, particularly with justice, and I find it very uh, beautiful, I think, if you look through the Qur'an and the Sunnah, usually, usually taqwa is associated with a position of strength, right? So showing taqwa with those that are under your care, either as a ruler, taqwa with your family, right? Uh, you know, it's it's a constant theme. But then on the other side of that, that whoever's in a difficult situation, but they don't allow their difficulties to excuse a departure from taqwa, Allah will make a way out for them. And so people are generally swayed uh, either due to an excess of power or, you know, uh, being in a difficult situation where they can excuse themselves from taqwa. So either in, in a place of power where they feel unchecked, and so they can uh, indulge the excess of taqwa, and who's going to check them in this life, right? Or in a situation where it's excusable because, uh, you know, who has taqwa or, or uh, you know, who abides by standards when uh, they're under difficulty, right? So taqwa is that governance, right, that governs the believer in power and under persecution, in a position of family, community, individual, it's always taqwa, right? Even the, the verses of Ghadd al-Basar of lowering the gaze, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the laws of modesty, uh, there is taqwa. If a person has taqwa, then they will govern themselves by that no matter what laws exist to govern the exterior. The interior will keep them governed. And the laws will lend themselves towards taqwa, what is easiest for people to be able to abide by taqwa. But if a person lacks taqwa, then they will simply use the exterior, even perfect laws. They will use them to work mischief, right? And to do evil things and access to the nafs 
access to the self where it should have been lillah. And if it was lillah, then it would be befitting to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed uh, in the first place. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for taqwa and qawl al-haq, taqwa in, in situations of power, in situations of perseverance, in, in hardship, in ease, in, uh, in, in all of our affairs, individual family and, and community affairs, taqwa, right? That mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala governs everything in our lives. Yeah. MashaAllah. Yeah. No, alhamdulillah. I mean, I think it's, it's that's, uh, again, you know, and, and that's one of the general, as subhanAllah, as uh, Sheikh Yasser was mentioning, uh, from the maqasid, the Islamic objectives of the Sharia, you know, uh, I think the one that was just how, you know, when I define Sharia, a lot of times to people, you know, a lot of times people think that Sharia is just a whole bunch of rules, right? Especially with, you know, you find our young generation, uh, it's just a whole bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. But if we look at it from a different perspective, we think of, it's, of it as guidelines with objectives. You know, and, and the one that knows everything and his knowledge is infinite and perfect, he sets those guidelines with ultimate object, objectives. So when we look at, for instance, Qawaid and all of these rules and, you know, these bylaws or guidelines, if you will, it has an ultimate objective that goes beyond our, sometimes beyond our understanding because our current situation, as you mentioned, Sheikh Omar, we may be in a position of weakness or in a weak state, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, spiritually. Um, but the taqwa is what will pull you through. And that's why, you know, subhanAllah, when you look at numerous verses in the Quran, we see that taqwa is the goal. You know, that when Allah is mentioning hajj, for really those that magnify the sha'ir, the signs of Allah. And this is in the context of the chapter of Hajj, for really this is taqwa of the heart. This is, you know, mindfulness of the heart. When Allah SWT talks about Ramadan, as we all know, that fasting has been prescribed upon you as it was the nations before you, perhaps you will be of those that are mindful. So again, you know, you both alluded to it beautifully, how taqwa is consistently mentioned in all of the verses almost that we just mentioned in complement to this verse of justice. And that's why, subhanAllah, again, going back to the human nature, as Sheikh Yasser, mashallah, just, you know, the, I, I, I'm to be honest, when he was talking about the verses, I was thinking of like a, a, a movie because it was like from scene to scene. It was a subject matter. The Quran is beautiful, man. Just the subject matter to subject matter, you know, talking about, you know, wudu and then going back to all that, the ni'mah and then the, the mithaq how to be a person of integrity, how to fulfill your word and all of that. And ultimately the word and the, 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 the ahad that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, that mithaq and that agreement that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you said we hear and we obey. But on top of all of that, you know, he gives a superlative form to show that there is a process within all of this. You may make a mistake. And he's well aware of those trials and tests that you may have from the enmity of that enmity that you may have towards people. We're human, but do your best. And that's why, you know, subhanAllah, looking at these verses, it just reminds you that Allah has something set for you. It's just up for you, up to you to try your best. And that's what I really like about contextualizing it. SubhanAllah, it's 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 actually very profound and beautiful that um that's how you ended your comments because uh, I was thinking as you were speaking, the redemptive quality of this religion and how in verse number three, 
the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us about the completion of the religion, he actually ends that verse by saying, <laughs> really, Allahu Akbar, Subhanahu Khaliq. Like here, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is saying, in the context of the completion of the religion and our commitment to it and our struggle to commit. But if any of you are forced by circumstances to do that which is forbidden or to eat from that which is forbidden with no intention of really committing evil, it was a, it was a moment of anger or worry or sadness or fear or hunger or pain. Then God is the most forgiving and most merciful. And that beautiful redemptive quality of this sacred tradition that what I really hope for all of us as we're trying to negotiate the day to day of our lives, because it's not easy. I mean, we're out there today. The circumstances are increasingly challenging. You're seeing all these memes about 2020 with people bruised up and beat up and, you know, just completely exhausted. But, you know, Allah tells us in Surah Al-Anfal, uh, O you who believe from the Nida'at of Rahman, O you, Ya Yuhaladina Amanu. Uh, why don't you respond to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحْيِيكُمْ When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us to that which brings us life. Mm. Brothers and sisters, when we think about life and we think about upholding the true virtues and morals and ideals in this world that bring life, you know, we there's such a discourse about rights and really committing ourselves to the human condition and, and being there for ourselves and for people and fighting for rights and so on. And those, I mean, these are as, 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 as slogans, they're very much rooted in our sacred tradition. But if they are not layered, contextualized, beautified, and grounded in what both Sheikh Omar and Sheikh Abdullah were talking about, the emphasis of taqwa, then it becomes detached and it loses its life. You know, when we're talking every day about how am I going to thrive in this world, what Allah is telling us in Surah Ma'idah, it's in the details. It's in, it's in how you wake up, how you wash yourself, how you pray, how you conduct, the relationships you maintain how you're going to maintain the sanctity of the people and the places and the things around you, how you're going to honor them and protect them. Because Allah, 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 you know, and he's embedded in every single essence and every single reality. So I don't want us to ever become so overwhelmed by the discourse because the discourse in the public sphere is overwhelming on social media in on in the media and there's a lot of framing and defining for us these virtues and what they look like ours and inshallah our contribution and and and, and sheikh omar did a beautiful job by illustrating this with malcolm x but he, what he interjected and brought into that space was was theology was spirituality and we, we, we don't want to have these conversations publicly. And we don't want to be on the forefront if we are not channeling the depth of our theology, the depth of our spirituality, which is ultimately what brings life. It's those branches, each one of them, the justice branch, the, the relationships branch, the food branch, the, you know, all the branches that for them to be fruit bearing and to be nourishing, to oxygenate, to process carbon, carbon monoxide, they have to be connected to the root. Because if they're not and they're broken off, then they can actually become a hurtful, blunt object that takes away life and doesn't bring nourishing life. You know, one thing, Zakmullah uh, Khairan, such beautiful reflections. Um, when you talk about the redemptive quality, one of the miracles of the Quran is that if the historical circumstances 
are not made clear. There is absolutely no switch in tone throughout the Quran, which highlights that it's a singular author. Mm. And it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Who's the author of this book. You don't see a tone of, uh, of, of shifting because of shifting circumstances, unless it's speaking to the particularities of that incident. And one of the miracles of that miracle is that the theme of redemption is present even after the greatest injustices are committed against self or against society. So Surat al-Buruj, where people are gathered and thrown into a burning fire, a ditch of fire. And Allah even there says, mm-hmm. if they don't repent. right? So Allah calls people even in the midst of the greatest injustice to say, look, you can come back. You can come back. So that redemptive quality is there throughout everything. And I think one of the, the beauties of that as well is that wrong, even the most hated person on this earth, Allah does not wrong the most rebellious transgressor. Allah does not wrong Fir'aun, mm. right? Ya ibadi inni ala nafsi wa Right? Oh my servants, I have made oppression haram for myself, forbidden for myself, and I made it forbidden between you. So do not wrong one another. So jaza'an wifaqa. The most that a person will get on the day of judgment is perfect justice. Mm-hmm. So when Allah says, Do not let your hatred of the people, everything that, that they may have done to you or said to you or whatever it is, in your personal life, your family life, your community life, societal, do not let your hatred of them cause you to swerve from justice. Allah does not wrong even the greatest fajr the greatest transgressor. Though Allah has ultimate authority and ultimate right, Allah does not subject anyone beyond perfect justice. So subhanAllah, what, what Allah calls us to, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in His absolute authority and power. And that's why when we connect ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we start to become ibadullah. We start to become ibadul rahman, right? That, that servants of the Most Merciful, right? Connected to those attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything. Uh, that we do in life. So JazakAllah khairan. Uh, I don't know if anyone has a quick 30 second, one minute. Both of you want to interject something. Uh, that was beautiful. I really benefited from your reflections. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> no, no, Shaykh, I'm good. I'm good. Alhamdulillah. No, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow our hearts to always be enlivened by the Quran, to mm-hmm. be inspired by the Quran, to be motivated by the Quran, to be nourished by the Quran. This is you know, this is the book of life. It's the book of healing. It's the book of guidance. It's the book of clarity. And may Allah allow this book to always be with us. And may we never leave it for a second, especially especially when times get really difficult and really tight. May the Quran be there to unlock all of the difficulties and all the challenges, Ya Rabbil Alameen. SubhanAllah, I think, um, and that was the point, right? We, we planned... You know, this this season of uh, keeping connected with the Qur'an, seeing that we were developing as a community around the Qur'an uh, this past Ramadan, probably in ways that we have not in previous Ramadans. And um, I think now more than ever, I, I know there's a lot of hurt out there, uh, rightful hurt out there. Uh, now more than ever, uh, you know, it's, it's important for us not to uh, compromise or sacrifice our wird, our daily recitation, our reflection. And so, inshallah ta'ala, you know, we'll, we'll continue every night, inshallah, Monday through Friday with a different element of the Qur'an and hope you all will continue and don't forsake your own 
reflecting and recitation um, on the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people of Quran. Allahumma ameen. So please tune in, inshallah ta'ala, tomorrow uh, to the Yaqeen platform. It's Yaqeen Canada hosting themes of the Quran. And then Friday, um, inshallah ta'ala, we'll have uh, healing verses of the Quran uh, with Sister Najwa this Friday. And every every week we'll have a different guest there, inshallah. We appreciate you joining us, uh, Sheikh Yasser. Uh, this week, uh, Sheikh Abdullah, as always, Quran, Tinan, and Dinan, is that what it was? Quran, Tinan, and Dinan, yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you. Allah, you better keep And this was very needed for all of us. So, inshallah, ta'ala, we'll see you all uh, over the course of the weeks to come. Jazakumullah khayran wa salam wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode on Quranic Themes and subscribe to this series. If you like this episode, you'll love our other content. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org or download our app from the App Store. Until next time, this has been Keeping Connected with the Quran.